do it. Yeah. Is that your barbaric yaw? That is my barbaric yaw. <laughs> well, testing it. I want to see how it comes across as the intro to our podcast. I've been, I've been uh, trying to come up with ideas for theme music. And uh, all I can come up with is some, I want to do a different song for every single episode in the future, which is totally unsustainable. But that's what I'm going to start doing at first. All right. I'm, I'm with it. I trust you on this. Which it might just end up being you like shouting genres at me and be like, play some Zydeco. And I'll be like, all right, here's a Zydeco yeah. theme song. And then here's some, uh, here's some, uh, you know, here's some techno. Here's some, here's some polka. Um, are we ready to start? Yeah, I already, I'm already starting. You, you, I guess are we can we introduce re- it. This is our cold open. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You want to do the uh, our official intro? Yes, I think our official intro goes. Welcome to monkeys in robot suits, and robots in monkey suits, with Jeff Byron and Noah Smith. That's our intro. It's uh, we're, we're getting it down. That's that's good. I, I I kind of like when we do. It's time for oh monkeys in robot right. suits. Let's try that. Let's just go ahead and try it. Do it. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for Monkeys in Robot Suits. And Robots in Monkey Suits. With Jeff Byron. And Noah Smith. That's good. Yeah. That is really good. That's like a, a secret, like, you know, hand slap thing where you, that you practice with someone where just like out of nowhere you're walking past them and suddenly you do like some elaborate hand slap and then just walk down the hall of your junior high. Yeah, it is like that. Those are good days. I think I, sometimes I listen to, so like this, this, this last weekend when I was driving, I was flipping through podcasts and a lot of them have intros that are like pre-recorded by somebody else or like it's a different voice, kind of like the old radio way where it'd be like, there'd be some crazy sound effect and then you are listening to monkeys in robot suits, (laughs) something like that. Or, uh. Or, or it would be like a clip from later in the show, which we'll never do that, but like, uh, like a teaser. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Conventions of, of modern podcasting. Yeah. Um, I don't listen to many podcasts, so I can't, uh, I don't really know that. So that's actually kind of sad that I don't listen to many podcasts. I probably should listen to more. They just, you know, they take a long time. And they're not very, um, they need to be better, basically. And I Dude, think that our app will make podcasts better. I like, I never listen to podcasts. Like, I have to go out of town just to get my podcast fix in. Like, I mean, it's not a fix. Like, I, I never listen to podcasts. So it's only when I'm driving somewhere or if I'm like, because I get it. I, I often feel like I'm way too busy i guess to listen to podcasts to like sit there and listen to them and i'm not the type of person who can just have them on in the background because i need to pay attention to them or they it's like tv where i can't just have it on i gotta like it sucks in my brain and that's what it's like when i listen to a podcast so i really just don't have time to listen to them right i think you're kind of the same way too i mean to have to have like voices on it's just one of those things where have voices on in your head constantly feels kind of wrong to me we've already Mm. Some people are all already constantly following something on the internet to have an actual voice in your ear. I don't know about that. Podcasts 
in some ways are more fun to make than to consume, at least for some people, maybe for us. But I think a lot of people disagree with us, and they just love having podcasts on in the background as sort of the soundtrack of their existence. Well, like maybe those people haven't tried actually hosting a podcast. I think maybe they haven't, and maybe they would like that. It's, uh, it is fun to talk. Well, there's something about hosting podcasts that you get, you have to get good at, and that is talking about anything. Or talking yes. about nothing. Or talking about something. We're making, good at talking about nothing. Making making something sound interesting, like what you had for lunch. Making that sound interesting. Sometimes you got to do that on a podcast. So sometimes you get a guest who's really boring. You got to make it interesting. Yeah. Yes, but um, we are both full of not only arcane knowledge, but the desire to talk. So that's right. And we're, we're both just incredibly interesting people. I mean, you know, even strangers just come up and talk to us because of how interesting we look. They know that we're going to be interesting people. Hmm. I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe, maybe you, you usually straight. Well, actually do strangers do come up to me and want to talk. I don't know what it is. See, I was being facetious, but it's probably true of you. (laughs) I do get in. I do get in conversations with strangers for some reason, probably because I like to pick out things that I identify with in people and then talk to them. I'm like a sucker for communication. I don't know. I mean, um, that same thing happens to my friend Jenny and I think it's just because she's cute. Oh yeah. Well, maybe maybe you're just cute. Maybe I'm just cute. (laughs) No, you're calling me cute. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you've got to have a certain attraction to your, yeah. Your podcast co-host. Yeah. Well, I think you're adorable, Noah. Aw. <laughs> wow, you just one up to me on the <laughs> Well, no, you're a adorable. you're you're a sweet dude who takes care of bunnies. I mean, that's just adorable. <laughs> well, I do take care of bunnies. The bunnies are sitting here cuddling right next to me. So. Okay, so you want to talk about something kind of serious, but not yes. too yogurty? Let's yes, get let's do this. it. So I got I got a call, or I got a text from a client of mine somebody who i sold music to i wrote music and did the theme song for their youtube channel uh or something like that and they got a they got a copyright strike somebody said hey that music doesn't belong to you this company was called korean indie pop inc right said that they own the song that i wrote and and i knew that these copyright strikes are getting more popular more common but I didn't think that they would happen to me for my own music. So my client texted me, and I don't know what's on his mind. He's either thinking that I've stolen the music and sold it to him, or that there must be some glitch in the system, or this is just a company trying to get whatever cash they can using fear. But um, obviously, the music was mine. There, there's, there's no way that that there's no way that I couldn't prove that it was mine. I had all the original assets and everything for the music, but it made me start to think about how, like what a problem this is for the future of the internet, I guess, is where where I started to spiral. Like the intellectual property issue of people claiming things are their own on the internet. And it's such a crazy, crazy problem that we're not prepared to deal with at all. Yeah. Um, have you read any Cory Doctorow books? No. Oh, Cory Doctorow is one of the most visionary sort of cyberpunk, you know, um, near future sci-fi authors. And mm-hmm. he has 
envisioned a world in which basically copyright trolls just wreck everything in society. And, um, you know, he himself is one of these extremely principled, almost too principled, techno-libertarian kind of guys. Um, <laughs> he's like a woke techno-libertarian. And he, um, Sounds and about he, right. Yeah, so he'll just like... You Even know, Bitcoin. Just, yeah, he's he goes crazy about like, you know, DRM and, and copyright and stuff like that. And nobody really pays that much attention. But his futures his future scenarios are really compelling. And he has basically like, there's one book in which like Disney just sues like a million startups into oblivion. Well, I, yeah, I mean, oh, man, talk about Disney. I know that Dis- Disney, I don't know if we should get started there. Yeah, I just, Disney. I, I love I mean, you, Disney. I love you, Giant Entertainment Corporation. Are you listening? I love like, you. Disney did did something where they uh, nah, I, I probably shouldn't go into that. I know the lawyer involved, so I shouldn't talk Ooh. about it. <laughs> Ooh. But even um, more than even more spicy than yogurt. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when I come on and as as an anonymous guest, I can talk about that. But not this time. You know who I am. Yeah, you have um, to use a voice distorter. Well, it's this like I you know I I don't know when the idea of intellectual property was conceived like i don't know when people started to think about that i mean it's a it's a beautiful idea super high concept actually but the internet has made something that is an an unruly beast when it comes to uh owning content i mean like and the most obvious the most obvious thing to think about is like the way people use memes and the way that people just borrow art for instance, there's no possible way to control or moderate that. It's just going to be whatever it is. And you get platforms where people are contributing to, and YouTube has their own thing. YouTube has to make a big deal out of it because they pay, they pay their content creators from ad royalties. So that's the reason that they have to take it so seriously. I mean, if Twitter had to deal with people stealing each other's content memes music art and all that stuff i mean it would just be like a fucking it'd be it'd be crazy right yeah it's um the internet was such a such an unfenced you know sort of like wilderness at the beginning and now it's just one sort of fence after another all these multi-dimensional fences closing off this new information frontier but how do we how do we like who are going, is it going to be like the Zuckerbergs that decide how we build these fences? Like, how is this even going to happen? I mean, you must think a little bit about this being a writer who's on the internet and a content creator and somebody who's a lot of your content is on Twitter. Um, I don't know. How, how does it come up in your life, I guess? Well, it doesn't come up in my life at all because there's extremely well-established and well-followed rules about text content that you know, whereas video and, and audio content are just much more dicey, right? Like text content, you can just easily verify where it's from, you know, like you can just do search really easily. Do you know where uh, the GIF, GIF libraries come from? No, I don't. I've, I've always been curious because, you know, Facebook has GIF libraries, Twitter has GIF libraries. I'm wondering if they're like a shared thing or if they're proprietary for each platform. Because that to me, whenever I see those, I'm like, how the hell could this corporation be allowed to use like a Disney 
like a me like a Disney meme, or use like a GIF from an and in uh, a show that's on national television or something. Um, it seems very weird that like it, we're at the first stage of not giving a fuck about that. Either that or somebody's already paid the money and taken on the liability or something. Right. Or there might be, it might be a hole in copyright law where you can use like small clips or images from something with no repercussions. Hmm. Like I you see. Can, yeah. It might just be that that's not covered by copyright law. Hmm. Well, one of these days we will have a copyright lawyer on the show. I know one. Very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I figure we know someone we could ask. <laughs> My brother's a, a an IP lawyer. He'd be an interesting person to have on a show that talks a lot about the internet. For all you Zero fans out there, that's just brother. <laughs> yeah, that would be my brother. Well, I wonder if there's anybody. Hey, hey, there's got to be somebody listening to this. I know there's somebody listening to this because... Well, there's going to be somebody listening to this in the future. There's going to be somebody listening to this in the future. I just know that. I don't know how I know that. But somebody's going to hear this. And when they hear this, they're going to hear my voice right now. And they're going to be nodding, going, yep, me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm That's going to say, good. hey, hey, Our how you 1. doing? Our 1.7 fans. <laughs> 1. 1.7 fans. Well, anyway, that was a thought that occurred to me today. And it's such a rabbit hole to go down. To think that every little thing that I do on the internet that I publish is like a is is a potential lawsuit or 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 could be because everything is borrowed and everything is referenced and we're getting to this point where nobody like oh another example of this is how kids these days oh if you didn't know 1.7 listeners this show is not just about the internet and and us it's but it's about how we're old um, it's just about that yeah and. But a lot of kids these days, they know a lot of music, but they don't know a lot about music. They know about music because it's in a lot of memes. Like they'll know, for instance, the, one of the most recent things to go viral was, the, um, was that, that guy on the skateboard drinking juice out of a bottle listening to Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah. It's like kids don't know who Stevie Nicks is. They don't know Fleetwood Mac, but they know that song because everybody's seen that meme. And now that song takes on a completely new meaning to these kids. And it's a um, damn good song. It's a, it's a good song, but the but kids don't kids know it's a great song because it 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 matches the vibe of that video, not because it was right. a great song off one of the greatest classic rock albums of all time. Right. They don't know the cultural context of it, but I mean, good songs sort of draw people in, irrespective of context. I think. I wonder how much how how much. Uh, something like good songs are going to be taught like in the future. That's how they're going to be taught. They're going to be, they're going to, people are going to learn about them through other means. Yeah. Through other means they're going to le learn about them through other videos or other, through other context, which I guess isn't that different than, you know, the way that a lot of people learned about Bohemian Rhapsody through like, you know, Wayne's world or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that is, indeed how i learned about bohemian rhapsody i had not yeah. listened to queen before wayne's world yeah and i'm sure there's going to be a movie or meme in the future that's got bohemian rhapsody in it and that's where the younger kids are gonna yeah so i don't really know what i'm talking about it's been like this forever and it's not going to change the internet is just the same as everything it's the same as everything else i mean no it's it's i think what's going to happen is there's going to be so i think that at some point there's going to be major uh 
congressional legislation about use of data, um, mm -hmm. how people's data is used. They already did it in Europe and they kind of botched it with the GDPR re restrictions. But I think that, you know, we might be smarter because we have the bad example of Europe to warn us away from just making everybody click a little thing that says, do you accept cookies, which is the dumbest thing ever. And, um, yeah, so we're going to have that. And, um, I also believe that at some point we'll have some version of the fairness doctrine. Now the fairness doctrine was a, a thing that the FCC did, um, in the 1950s or in the, in the post-World War II period, where basically it said that if you use federally owned spectrum, right, if you use the spectrum for, uh, broadcast, uh, stuff, then you have to present all sides. Basically, it, it enshrined sort of both sidesism as the official political creed of CBS and ABC and NBC and all these people. And that had a big effect on our politics. You know, it probably wasn't a coincidence that we got like the Walter Cronkites and the Dan Rathers and these sort of like voice of authority media types of things. And of course, we're never going back to that because that was an artifact of pure push media. But, um, you know, viewers are now involved and can comment, can respond and blah, blah, blah. But I do think that people are realizing that Twitter and YouTube and Facebook are the new CBS, ABC, NBC of our public discussion. And that's the news now. And those are the main platforms. And I think that, and of course, they use publicly built and financed and maintained internet infrastructure, not quite the same, but somewhat similar to the way that TV stations and broadcasters used, um, public spectrum back in the day and well mm -hmm. and still i guess and then um so i think that at some point the government is going to tame social media to its purposes i think that's yeah. going to happen i no doubt that that will happen but what what i what i'm what i'm like not prepared for is how they plan to do it with like with like right now Right now, the 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 law the law firms the trolls that are going after copyrights are pretty much using bots, using algorithms to do it to search out stuff that that looks or sounds similar to to stuff that they own, and that to me is kind of a recipe for disaster because it's not. I mean, it's. It, I mean, it just is. There's no. It's it's hard to. I mean, right now, for instance. One of the one of the parts of fair use is that you can critique any content, and you know you can actually re reuse content if you critique it. That's considered fair use. But YouTube, you can't do that because it's just got an algorithm going through, demonetizing or deleting anything that you do that uses any Im imagery that looks like it's from another video, for instance. So like oh, when gosh. when when regulations come in and they say, okay, now this is a law, it's like. Where are the humans going to be in that? What, what are what are the? I mean, obviously, the humans are going to be the ones that make the final choice, and if anything goes to, you know, goes to court, but it's going to be a big free for all when when machines are involved. Oh man, yeah, like what when people start creating deep fakes of things, or just like algorithmically approximating things, then we'll have I, to have other algorithms to see whether it's. You know, to yeah. read it and say whether this is similar enough to have been intentionally approximated yeah. by algorithm. It's I was hoping we'd go here. Show. I was hoping we'd go here. I've always <laughs> kind of wondered. Talk about sci-fi shit. <laughs> well, I was, just, I was, I was, 
not just sci-fi shit. I mean, that shit's happening now. And uh, uh-huh. I, I think that like if here's a here's an intellectual property problem for you. Like if I create a computer program to write music, original music, if I create an intelligent, artificial intelligent program that will compose original music, do I own the music that the that this artificial intelligence creates? Am I the owner of that intellectual property? That's the first question. Second question right. is, if I create something that is a deep fake of something that creates something new that looks like it belongs to somebody else, who owns that? Like if there's an artificial intelligence that uses a deep fake, who owns the intellectual property there? If I created it, do I own it or is it of the person that I'm imitating? Or I guess it couldn't possibly be the person that I'm, that the machine is imitating because that person never said or did this. I mean, that's, that would be impossible, but what if it uses their voice and their likeness, then it technically belongs to that person. Right. You know, like if I, if like, if I, if I, if I wrote a Grammy winning song for, you know, Lady Gaga and I did a deep fake and it won the Grammy, who would get the award? Would it be Lady Gaga or me? (laughs) I don't know. Oh gosh. It's going to get really weird. It's going to get so weird. We're going to need to liberalize IP laws. Our IP laws are too strict. Like copyright should not be such a big deal. That's painful for me to say as an artist, because I don't want that. So there's one law right now that's really kind of arbitrary, right? It's 80 years, 80 years. You have 80 years for something to belong to you before it becomes public domain. And the law was, is around because you know, people assume that you'd be dead after 80 years and that anything that you created would be, you know, anybody could use, anybody could, could, uh, so if I wrote a song, 80 years goes by, anybody can cover that song and publish it, right? I don't know why they weren't thinking about, well, I guess uh, maybe they were trying to make it, make some, some, some sort of system. And I don't really know, I'm not an intellectual property lawyer or historian or anything, but, but the idea that you can't pass on intellectual property rights to your kids or whatever, which obviously you can because Disney's trying to do the same thing. But, um, but like, that's kind of an arbitrary law that like, why, why do we even have, like, there shouldn't be any limit to that. If you're an artist, if you're an artist, you want very strict, uh, intellectual property laws because it's, that's, this is how we eat. I mean, I want those strict laws at the same time. We're going to need to relax on them or else everybody's just going to be in court constantly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we can't just, we can't have everybody in court and not just in court. People will just shy away from creative things or from content or just yeah, totally because they're going to be afraid that, you know, you're going to end up being a nobody and getting sued. That's what Cory Doctorow books are about. There's a, um, oh man, now I want to make you read all the Cory Doctorow books. Do you, do you actually read sci-fi? Do you have, or do you have time to read books at all? I haven't read sci-fi in a long time. And one of the reasons that I don't really read sci-fi is because it takes a long time to get into the sort of exposition of things. Hmm. But um, I do really enjoy it. I, I, I imagine a time in my life when I'm going to be reading a lot of science fiction. It's just not right now. I understood, I re- yeah. I read a lot when I was a kid. I used to be really into to Asimov. And, and, well, I mean, like I used to be into a ton of... of of sci-fi 
juicy stuff. Huh. My dad was a big sci-fi collector, and I still have a bunch of his books. What great covers they have. Classic sci-fi covers are my favorite. They're always so weird. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have time to read sci-fi right now? A little bit. I um I'm reading I read mostly sci-fi short stories these days. I have uh I listen to audiobooks, and so that's the time that I would have otherwise put into podcasts. Oh, is, I is see. Audiobooks. You're an audiobook person. And can you listen to audiobooks like in the background when you're doing other stuff? No. So I've got to I listen to audiobooks while I'm walking around or um or uh you know just like doing chores like every day i have to do some amount of rabbit related chores and also you know just like i don't know clean my house wash the dishes whatever and then i walk around the city a bunch and um and then i listen to audiobooks and so you know that's maybe like i don't know half an hour 45 minutes a day at least or going to the grocery store or anything it's uh, it's great and and at some point i'll probably switch to podcasts but you know when i just get tired of all, or I've read all the good audiobooks that are to read. The, I think that, I think when it comes to constant people's voices in your ears, like audiobooks are probably better word for word because podcast is like a lot of garbage or it's a lot of advertisements that you have to skip or endorsements mm. or whatever. And then it's a lot of people just trying to get their, I mean, let's face it. A lot of podcasts are people trying to get their brand out there, trying to promote something. And, uh, and so if you listen to podcasts, you kind of have to be prepared for that. But when, if you, if you're listening to audiobooks, it's like every moment is worth your attention. I feel like. Right. That's right. So it's podcasts are more something you can have on in the background and just sort of osmos, you know, osmos. I was going to say absorb, but I like the word osmos a lot. It means the same thing pretty much. It's just on a molecular level. Basically. Yes. So. So uh, one of the reasons I'm not into to audiobooks is because I feel like they read them too slow. Has that ever happened to you? you do you ever have to listen oh. to them on like two two x? Yeah, put them at two x. I see. Uh, unless it's so in the old days they used to read them actually fairly fast, but now mm -hmm. they've all changed to reading them really slow. So that because in the old days when you read them fast, there was no way to slow it down. You could only speed up, not slow down, which is I yeah. guess how sound works. Um, it's it easier nice. to know like how to smash things together than like draw them apart it sounds weird so do you have favorite readers like I, I i imagine i just imagine that audiobooks there would be like certain rock stars that just have amazing voices that read a lot of the great books but maybe it's not like that interestingly most of the readers are really good and there's mm -hmm. just a couple readers i really hate mm -hmm. um one of them is getting better so there's this guy read the series that i was listening to and um the beginning he just did this really annoying thing where his voice would just rise and fall so that no matter what volume i had it at i could you know like he'd either be blowing out my eardrums or mm. i couldn't hear the guy it was just poor <laughs> volume management and so now he's changed and he's you know has a much more even tone when he reads but man that annoyed me like an audiobook reader has so much responsibility i mean that's they're in charge of your experience of that book I, I, uh, so what, one of the last books I listened to in audio format was that book that you gave me, um, about the story of Twitter. Um, I forget what that book was called. Um, you know, which one I'm talking about though, that basically the, the story of yeah. how Twitter came about. Yeah. Hatching and, Twitter. 
hatching Twitter. That's it. And the, the, the reader, the reader, every, every time Jack Dorsey would say something, he would say, he, you know, Jack would say, Jack Dorsey would say like, I created Twitter, but the reader would read it like I created Twitter. He would like read it in this dark, deep voice. Like Jack Dorsey was like the evil guy trying to take over the corporation, which I thought was really funny choice. If you're the reader, how do you do you have a director that tells you you're going to read Jack Dorsey's voice in Darth Vader? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're like the reader. If you don't have a director, you actually have to decide. Is Jack Dorsey going to be Darth Vader? Um, <laughs> or do any of the readers of the books that Jack you... Dorsey's not dark, Darth Vader? He's like a doofus. He, he's, he's definitely He's like not. obsessed with meditation and like, I don't know, banging chicks. What does he do? That's what made it so weird that this author like decided to read him as like the evil villain or whatever. Jack Dorsey's he's kind of a, a playboy, right? He likes he likes the ladies. You know, I like him. I like Jack Dorsey. Oh, yeah. Everyone seems to have a opinion of him. Everyone thinks he's stupid and lame, but I actually think he's <laughs> everyone pretty- thinks he's stupid and lame? Well, I mean, everyone seems to have an opinion about him, and they want him to do things that he's not doing. Uh, it seems to be. I mean, and I'm like, I think he's kind of actually doing okay, but then I don't really know that much about him, and all I know is that I have a negative opinion of Twitter, but I have no opinion of Jack Dorsey as a yeah. guy. But anyway, do you re- do you listen to any audiobooks where the reader takes liberties of talking in different voices? Does he like? Does he talk higher for the female voices? <laughs> Oh, all the time, yeah. (laughs) That's so funny to me. And some of those are the best, like, um, (laughs) like, uh, what was I saying? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Like when there's uh, when there's a reader who can do that well, they just do it subtly. You know, they don't they don't Mm. do it really in an exaggerated, goofy way. (laughs) They just like change the voice a little bit so that you know the characters and it really makes a difference it is good but it's hard yeah well i just i mean it wasn't until relatively recently that audiobooks were really popular and before that time the only time you really heard people reading books is when you were a kid and your parents would read you a story or a a teacher would read a story or maybe some sort of reading assignment in class or maybe you go to um, a book a, a book reading where an author is reading part of their book but it was pretty rare that somebody would read you an entire book so i'm glad that that these readers are soaking up the storytelling aspect of it right yeah yeah and i i'm assuming that a lot of uh, a lot of books on tape we used to call them books on tape i remember um, are probably read by multiple readers right they probably have like a couple readers that come in or there used to be these ensemble casts and i think they've mm. done away with those uh i listened to an audiobook when i i reread um the orson scott card novels speaking of sci-fi and there were there was a female there was a female reader for the chapters that had his sister's character in uh-huh Andrew's sister's character, and I thought that was kind of an interesting choice. Made it more cinematic. Right. It definitely makes for a different feel. Mm. So, um, well, what are you reading right now? What am I reading? I, I'm reading a big book of sci-fi short stories. It's it's like 700 pages long, and so it has like sci-fi on the brain. 40 stories or something. 
Oh man. Yeah. And then, um, on audiobook, I'm listening to business books, actually books about like uh, blitz scaling I'm listening to right now. Mm. So, so by the way, if you hear a weird noise, mm -hmm. um, that is my rabbit chewing a box. So that's one of the hazards of doing podcasting. Uh, when you have rabbits is that rabbits chew and that make, make a sound, but I mean, I guess dogs bark and cats meow. So yeah. Yeah. But if you no, hear a weird no big sound, deal. The, the rabbit as well, which rabbit is it? It's cinnamon, the girl rabbit. She's, uh, the reason she's chewing is because she wants a treat. And so, you know, she's thinking of food in her tiny little brainlet and, brainlet. Um, yeah, she has a mini brain rabbit, mini brain. Um, but now I gave them a treat. So now they're happy. I am reading a book on experimental music. It's that's cool. What's called? It's called electronic and experimental music, technology, music, and culture by Tom Holmes. That's cool. And it happens to be one of the classes I'm teaching this year is, uh, an experimental music class. And, uh, so many people these days, when they think of experimental music, they also think of electronic music, probably because music has become so electronic. Right. We don't have to go into more music on this podcast. It seemed like we talk about that. We do talk about day. music quite a bit. Van Halen died. I know. And so did, oh, so did, man, I'm so sad that I'm blanking on another artist who passed away today who is 80 um eddie van halen yeah that's that's pretty sad S sad for me because well it's sad when anybody dies of cancer when they're relatively young but it's sad that we're getting into 80s the 80s stars now are starting to pass away more regularly you know it was kind of a shock when prince died and david bowie and no, right eddie the van 80s halen. were a long ass time away yeah yeah well i, I mean, mean there are a lot, lot but i mean it just i think i mean what here's a question though why why do what is the deal like with when celebrities pass away it's like all of a sudden everyone becomes like a super fan of that celebrity and is it just to pay tribute or what is it like m my wife she doesn't really get emotional when celebrities pass away even if she loved them like it might it might be something that she thinks of, but it's not like people who pour out on social media all of the times they had Eddie Van Halen experiences and and uh, you know all their favorite you know all their favorite songs and all their favorite albums. I'm like trying. I'm, I I kind of understand it, but sometimes I, I have trouble putting it into words for for my wife, like why people do that because it sometimes it seems a little annoying. It just becomes this outpouring of emotion for somebody that they may or may not have actually enjoyed were you an eddie right. van halen fan nope and i'm not now i don't mm. have anything against the man i don't i can't even think about his music I, I mean i i can't like none of his music even comes to mind like so i've never really listened to van halen but um but he was a well-respected famous guy uh i never listened to prince either Really? Uh, I, I was not a right. Prince fan. In fact, I, I didn't actually like Prince's music. Well, Prince was also a virtuosic guitarist like Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't really known for being a guitarist as much as he was just a pop star. 
Eddie Van Halen, I only owned one Van Halen record, and it was a Sammy Hagar era record, not a David Lee Roth era record. Ah. It was in that weird period of the 80s before David Lee Roth came back. <laughs> I don't remember that period of the 80s. It, all, it was all just like Smurfs and He-Man to me, man. Oh, man. I started... Well, I actually... So... so Maybe this is the reason that Eddie Van Halen uh, is is an important figure in my life. Is I started listening to music in like 1985, 1986, because my mom used to try to shut us up. My brother and I, we were two little boys, always at each other's throats. <laughs> try, she she would try to shut us up by turning on MTV and say, "Oh, here, sit, watch watch MTV." Like what a crazy mother puts on MTV for their kids. I was five years old, right? And finally, we started paying attention to it it, because it was all we had to watch. We we really didn't have TV. For some reason, we had MTV. And and I discovered that I was really into metal when I was really young. Nice. Five or six years old. And there's another story about, there's another story. I have another story about how I became a metal fan that I'll talk about in another episode in the future because we're obviously going to talk about music in the future um but yeah no i became a fan my first the first record i ever bought was look what the cat dragged in by poison and bad animals by heart and shortly (laughs) after was van halen so nice oh yeah i i got into music too late to appreciate any of that although you know no because i've appreciated lots of other older things it's just not a type of music i've ever really delved into i've never really gotten into metal maybe someday i will i'm gonna be all that metal waiting for me and i can consume all the best metal bands like right at once you know it's um that reminds me of the first time that i truly understood uh death (laughs) okay (laughs) and the first time i truly understood death was at age five i was reading a book about dinosaurs as little kids do that you know little kids love dinosaurs and um the dinosaur book said of course all these dinosaurs didn't live all at the same time what a party that would have been <laughs> and, and just this this vision i had of all these dinosaurs existing in the same dinosaur world just crumbled and i realized that most of these dinosaurs didn't even overlap and that lots of them were just dead before any of the others were created and they existed for hundreds of millions of years yeah exactly (laughs) and i was like what a party that would have been and ever since then i've had this keen appreciation of the fact of the transitoriness of all things and the fact that none that i'll never have that one moment where i get all my friends in life in the same room which is all i've ever really wanted is to get all my friends i guess that's why people have weddings you know like they have weddings because that's the closest that's that's the reason you can sort of compel all your friends from all walks of life to come together in the same room and then it's not what you think it's going to be because instead (laughs) you're stressed out and you're doing shit the whole way and like your various groups of friends mostly don't mingle right Right. unless you turn your wedding into an orgy but usually they don't (laughs) under normal circumstances they don't mingle right well yeah and um we have that's why that's why we start podcasts so that we can we can hang out with all of our friends we can invite every single friend that we've ever had to this podcast you know in fact we can invite them all we we could technically do that 
I don't know. We, if we, can we fucking yeah. could. And <laughs> I will. I would like to put in a word for Facebook and a word for Mark Zuckerberg, whom everyone hates. Everyone hates Facebook now. Everyone hates Mark Zuckerberg, except everyone. me, I guess, because like Facebook made it possible to just reconnect with all the people from all the periods of your life, and mm-hmm. basically get them all in one digital place, which is something that had just never existed, never been done in the world before. You know, it it um like. I remember before Facebook, I had to consciously keep in touch with friends via like AOL, instant messenger, via email, you know, whatever, or just going to see people. And then there was just something, something changed when Facebook came around. I felt like, um, everyone was always there. All the people that Mm -hmm. I had known were always just still there. And that was this incredibly comforting feeling. And I think that now people take that feeling for granted and don't really know what it's like to lose touch with people because they're all still there on social media. Although now as people shift off Facebook and people quit Facebook, I think we're going to re-experience the feeling of losing touch that everybody just used to be the standard life experience for everybody. Mm, I think you're right. I I didn't join Facebook until like 2012. I was really late to the game. I had my reasons for not wanting to be on Facebook, but I regret not not joining sooner because there are a lot of friends that I wanted to be into. I'm actually, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think that we probably will go through a period of of people losing touch, but yeah. um, but I and, don't know. There'll probably so, be a, a new app for keeping in touch with people. I mean, right. Facebook is kind of being being becoming kind of a family tool for me. It's how I keep in touch with my family. Right. Um, Me too. And I don't know. I still I still like being able to use Facebook even though I don't I have all all of my opinions about Zuckerberg. You kind of have to have an opinion about Zuckerberg when you realize how much power he has, you have to have an opinion about that. Like if oh, you no, don't I kind of don't have an opinion about Zuckerberg. Well, uh, well, then you need to have I mean you, you, I feel like you need to have an opinion about anybody who has that much power like anybody who has that much influence you kind of have to think a little bit about because what he, he's gonna he's gonna run for president probably uh, zuckerberg <laughs> will get 0.0003 percent of the vote. Yeah, well like, maybe maybe we'll see i don't know he does own instagram too right so mm, he's know. never he's not gonna run for president well, maybe not. That's a little bit yogurty for this show, anyway. I just wanted to point out that uh, we were both really ahead of our time. When uh, I was, when you were five years old, you uh, were discovering death and mortality, and when I was five years old, I was discovering metal. <laughs> Which are really just two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Except the metal that I was into was all about dressing up like a woman, wearing makeup, drinking as much as you can, and having lots of sex and drugs. I mean, it's not a terrible life. Or it doesn't but sound. In, in your your in your dream, all these dinosaurs were just partying, which is kind of the same thing. And listening to metal, they were metalhead dinosaurs. They were partying. All those heavy metal lyrics were all party, party, party. Of course, I thought they were talking about <laughs> birthday parties with little hats and cakes and, and I mean, party favors. Fuck yeah! <laughs> party, party, party. Fuck like, yeah! That's that sounds like the best dinosaurs having metal you know, like yeah. metal eighties metal parties with birthday hats and cake party like the dinosaurs. <laughs> and someday when we upload everything to a virtual world, we can realize this. We can just simulate dinosaurs and then have them have like, you know, heavy metal birthday parties. 
You know, when I got married, I we both didn't really want to have a big party because we knew it was stressful and expensive and all that shit. So we just eloped. It worked out great. Yeah, eloped. <laughs> eloped is like the new <laughs> word for, or the old word for just like being cheap. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was, it was a. We wanted it to happen pretty quickly. We didn't really want to elope, and we actually still invited our parents and stuff who who came. We didn't think that they were going to come because we did it so quickly. And my sister in law officiated our wedding. We did it right on the marina in in Emeryville. Basically, we got a family member to officiate. I think I invited you actually. I wasn't. No, I, I invited you to our to our like reception. We had a reception in Virginia Beach. Which was kind of like we rented a house on the beach in Virginia Beach for her family. Mm. Um, so, but um, but yeah, we we definitely did not want to deal with one of those big parties. But now, like now, I kind of regret not taking advantage of that time that that event to get all my friends together. I don't really regret it, but I do think let's just say I'm grateful that all my other friends are getting married now and they're throwing these big parties because a lot of my friends are at them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was one thing that made me understand death. And then the next, but there was another time, there was another time that made me understand death, which was that I think when I was in, when I was in kindergarten at the end of kindergarten, I thought that I was going to go back to kindergarten the next year and <laughs> finding out that I wasn't, that I was actually going to go to a different grade and mm-hmm. that grades progressed and that you kept going through higher ones until finally there was no more school. at all. Oh man. Oh man. I had a, I had a, I had a similar problem. So when I was a kid, when I was like four, five, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if this happened in kindergarten, but for the longest time, I couldn't tell the difference between today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just didn't understand that concept. Like he, <laughs> and, and like my mom would be like, you know, when you go to sleep, you wake up, it's tomorrow. And then like, you know, I'd wake up the next morning and I'd be like, is it tomorrow? And no, it's today, but it'll be tomorrow soon. And it was never, ever tomorrow. It was always today. And then of course, when you're five years old, you have nap time too, which throws you all out of whack. Uh huh. Yeah. Finally, I ended up getting it. And I, my first question, once I realized what today and tomorrow was, my first question was, well, can Porgy, our dog, tell the difference between today and tomorrow? That was the first thing I thought. So I wanted to know if our dog can tell the difference between today or tomorrow. So that's pretty high concept for, for yeah. a five-year-old. Yeah. I don't, I don't think dogs can tell the difference between today and tomorrow. What does it mean to tell the difference between today and tomorrow? What does that even mean? that 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 question is like dividing by zero i my mind just blows up right there like what is it i mean like (laughs) you can tell that time passes you have things that allow you to keep track of the date i think it's when the words have meaning because when i was young and somebody said hey we're gonna do this tomorrow i would be like no don't tell me that because i don't know when that's gonna be like that word has no meaning to me because it's always today no matter how many times they go to bed and wake up, it's still today. So if somebody said, we'll do this tomorrow, I felt like they were lying to me. You know? It's like... Huh. So I think, I think that's what, what, what it means to understand today and tomorrow and yesterday is to like, for the word to have meaning. That's, that's all it is. 
Because otherwise, there's no way to define tomorrow. I don't even know what it says in the dictionary, but tomorrow is just the idea of the next day in the future. Right. So the question yeah. is, can animals plan to do something the next day? And, and I, the, from what yeah. I've seen, that they don't. But that doesn't mean they can't. Because my <laughs> animals, have my rabbits, have this extremely sensitive uh, time sense. Mm-hmm. They know exactly the time of day that they'll get that they're supposed to get fed like you know mm, they'll they'll know right. to within like 20 minutes when they're supposed to get fed and they remember that from day to day and if i feed, if i vary the time that i feed them they get antsy or irritated they love that routine yeah what about like what about squirrels that collect nuts and hide them and stash them like that's just in must be an instinctive thing that they do so right, that they, they know their stuff in the future. They're not thinking I'm going to eat this tomorrow. Right, and you know what? They the squirrels actually don't remember where they put any of those acorns, and often they just pick <laughs> up the acorns of a different squirrel. That's so. <laughs> I didn't know that, but it makes sense. You mean they they really don't? They just that yeah, just makes them super neurotic. <laughs> yeah, they're just like all hiding acorns for each other. I think that's so funny. They're like uh, they're just like it's like. It's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They're just like leaving them somewhere, somewhere so that their future selves can find them, but they don't know where. <laughs> I need to see the new Bill and Ted movie, the old Bill and Ted movie. It's it's pretty it's pretty good. Dana and I watched it. It's pretty funny. I mean, it's incredibly bad, but of course, it's great. You know, just like it's on Netflix. Where is it? I think it's. Um, I think you got to rent it on YouTube or something. We we rented oh, yeah. it. Yeah. I gotta the see new, that. new way to watch movies. Now nothing's in theaters anymore. I know. End of a end of an American institution. Well, I've been to see enough movies in theaters, you know. I I wonder. I've I've always I mean, for the last several years I've thought that going to going to the movies was such a pastime and such a weird thing that people did. Hundred years from now, we're gonna talk about going to see movies and people are gonna be like, was it like kabuki theater or, or was it like uh was it like shakespeare <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you'd all go and watch the same screen why would you do that i've had so many good times in life going to watch movies with groups of friends it's just so many good memories so fun the anticipation yeah. of this thing the commune the communality of it the feeling of specialness the oh, feeling yeah. of being in this weird dark room with this big screen this exotic locale you know the um the sort of the fact that you block off all this time so that afterwards you can just go get a drink or go to eat or yeah. something like that. It was great. It was a great totally. institution of our world. Totally. I used to love going to see movies alone. Like my, when oh, I was that a kid, I never did. When, my, when I was a kid, my dad worked, he worked right around the Cinerama Dome. And this was before they turned into the big mega art, arc light. It was just one gigantic Cinerama theater in a big dome. Oh, wow. And, and I would go, like the days that I was sick, he'd take me to work and I would go see movies and I'd be like the only one in this giant theater. It was amazing. But uh, I used, and, and then I ended up working in movie theaters when I was in college. I don't know if you remember that, but I'd bring home the huge bags of popcorn. I loved movie theaters. Always did. Always did. Loved the yeah. projection rooms. Loved... You worked in a movie theater, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'd bring home the big bags of popcorn. Some days we, I'd invite friends to the theater and I'd just reel up like like hundreds of trailers that they had been they had been left in the theater like from back in the 60s or the 70s because it was an art house theater. 
and we just mm-hmm. watched like a hundred trailers all night eating popcorn. Oh man. Yeah. You know what? Uh, if I get a ton of money, I'm going to like get a home movie theater and just like invite large amounts of people to screenings. That's what my friend Peter did or did and does actually. Um, yeah. But he basically converted his living room in Berkeley. Uh, it had like a vaulted ceiling and whatnot. And um, he converted it to this theater with basically 15 seats and a tiered seating of these reclinable leather seats. Yeah. They, they were just, soundproofed and everything. Oh, yeah. That's and cool. like, and then he hung plants from the ceiling, from the really high ceiling Ooh. that were like, that created super oxygenated air. So it was just wonderful to breathe. And then mm-hmm. like the sound was just better than any movie theater sound. And so we'd mm-hmm. get people over and we'd, you know, like, you know, make some food right there and like, you know, drink or smoke weed or whatever. And then we just like sit on these leather seats and watch like three movies in a row. And it was the most mm-hmm. amazing thing. And he called it Buttonumathon. <laughs> Buttonumathon, of course. Cause he was just, yeah, I, I, I worked for a dude who had a home theater in his house, John King from the Dust Brothers. Um, that was pretty fun when he was out of town and we'd go in and watch movies in his home theater. I think if I ever make a ton of money, I'll, I'll buy an actual theater. Like I'll buy and restore a theater from the 1920s. So it doesn't get torn down. I think that sounds like an awesome thing to do. <laughs> yeah. The world I mean, will contain more interesting things. And you know what? I've learned that it's not always worth freaking out. I mean, like, yes, mm. it's sad when old stuff passes, but humans are yeah. smart. And humans know how to create cool, new, interesting things. And we do it really fast, right? And and we'll make some new cool thing. Even if there's some things we miss, there'll be other things we never expected. And yeah. uh, unless, you know, as long as, as long as like the global economy keeps going, as long as like the environment keeps going and, you know, we don't destroy the environment, as long as we don't have like big wars and or, you know, social disintegration, and as long as everything basically can continue, We'll find something cool to do. It doesn't matter if movie theaters go away. Movies may die like the dinosaurs, but we had our we had our parties. That's right. That the dinosaurs did not have. The oh the dinosaurs. Now they now they finally realize that dinosaurs were actually just very large chickens. And so if you look at these uh, these new models of T Rexes, you'll Mm -hmm. see these like it looks like death chicken. And to be honest, it's far scarier than the old lizard looking T Rex ever was. They're terrifying. Like I would be terrified if a giant chicken came at me. Yeah. In in our neighborhood, I live kind of up in the hills, and we've got wild turkeys in our neighborhood, and they're they're fucking scary, man. Like crazy looking birds that come like in packs of I don't know if they're packs or herds or flocks or what flocks of turkeys. They come in like flocks of Mm fifteen, and they charge you, and it's like oh my god, the ugliest birds ever. Imagine if they were the size of 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 uh of buildings uh, that would be terrifying yeah that reminds me of the question would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck yikes yikes yeah a horse-sized duck would be pretty i mean it would just peck you it would just peck you once and you'd be dead maybe (laughs) (laughs) go with the little horse fight the little horses eh? i mean if you want to win you probably should fight the little horses but you know, they, they won't be able to climb over you and they won't be able to coordinate very well. Yeah. You could probably beat them. But you know what? Yeah. If you just want to go balls out for just like glory, yeah, like the duck. And you might be able to ride it and it might fly too. And that might be so crazy. It would be a chocobo. 
<laughs> I'm riding a horse-sized duck through the sky. It's a chocobo. We're gonna land in water. Yes. Do you know the chocobo music? What is the chocobo music? Might Want me to sing it? Up. Okay, sing have it. Have we have we come to that in our podcast with Noah Smith singing the chocobo this might, music? This, maybe this can be the outro music. <laughs> it goes. It goes. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. No, no, that's um. Sorry, that's Mario. That's, that's Mario. Oh, okay. Yeah. What? Oh, fuck. No, that's Mario. What's the chocobo music? Um. Dun 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 dun. Coming back to me now. You're old enough to remember the game Joust, right? Where you you were like rode these giant ostrich flying things and. In fact, no, I. You didn't. You don't remember Joust. I'm old enough, but I didn't actually play Joust. Well, it was a game where you rode a giant horse-sized duck and you tried to poke people basically i mean that's what i want for my life but now (laughs) what i do know is that now they've made a game that's similar to joust Mm -hmm. but just infinitely better and so balanced and works wonderfully with like small groups or large groups of people who just wander up and you can Mm -hmm. have tournaments it's um i forget what it's called it's like hive queen or something like that you're it's actually insects but like you know this this one I'm talking about? I don't. Is this a, what kind? What is it? Platform is it for? I don't play. Oh, no, games. arcade. It's an arcade. It's game. an so arcade like, game. If you I go see, to so any like barcade or something, I have to. I have to hit up the arcades as soon as we can go back to them because I don't know if we'll ever be going back to an arcade ever again. We're gonna go back. That that'll that'll come back. This um. What is this like? Hold on. Let me look up what this is like. Hive Queen arcade game. Well, Joust was a classic, man. I don't know if you're going to be able to convince people that this game is better. Killer Queen. Killer um, Queen. Let's look. Uh, let's see. Killer Queen is definitely the mechanics are very, very jousty. Hmm. It's like the modern day sequel to Joust. Hmm. It's um, it's so good. You really should play it. All right. It's, um, all right. So check uh, it out. Shall we end there? <laughs> Check out the video game. Yes. Um, yes. What What are some words of wisdom we can leave our audience with? <clears throat> Avoid giant chickens. Uh, death is coming for us all. Um, movie theaters were great. You silly young people. I don't know. What do you have? <laughs> That's pretty good. That's good enough for me. All right, everybody. Have a good evening. All right. See you later. <laughs>